Well, I certainly pray you had an incredible Thanksgiving day, and, and you know, it's one of my, my favorite holidays, uh, and I would almost gather it to say it, it's one of my favorites because it's, it's not, uh, uh, there's nothing secular necessarily about it. You, you get an opportunity to celebrate uh, faith uh, and focus on God and giving thanks to God to get an opportunity uh, to, to celebrate family and time together with family. Um, I love to eat, so the focus on food is always a great thing. I happen to love football, too, so there's always that. And, um, and, and this year, we had, we had gathered as a, a family and, and had a pretty neat surprise at the Schwichtenberg house in that um, we did not think our daughter, who's a, a first-year student in college out in California, uh, we didn't think we'd see her till Christmas, and she surprised us by coming home was off the charts amazing for us as a family, and then we, we gather at Grandma's house, and, and we had DVR'd the, the Lions game, because that's what we were going to do before we ate, and, and we'd recorded it, and then we paused it to go, wa- go eat, and we finished this amazing meal, went back to watch the end of the second half, and it was my wife that noted, wow, there's eight minutes left in the game, and there's only three minutes left in the DVR recording, and and there was kind of this tongue-in-cheek remark, well, it's okay, because as we know, we don't really have to watch the end, because the Lions always lose in the final minutes. It was just joking, and that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so it goes. You know, some years ago, back when they, they played the Bears on Thanksgiving Day, and I, I remember kind of the great story in, in the, living in Chicago, and there's something about the Bears, and there were times where we rooted for them, and I, back in the 80s when they were really good, they were like really good, and, and the Super Bowl shuffle and all that was going on, uh, they had a motivational speaker by the name of John Cassis, and he would go and, and speak to the, the team, and kind of a famous story that he tells about being with the Bears in the locker room before one game, and they were going to have kind of a moment, and, and Mike Ditko was, was sharing some words with the team, and had, had walked in standing next to, to Jim McMahon, uh, remember the crazy guy, quarterback, and, um, and John Cassis and, and Jim were standing there as, as they watched Mike Ditka walk over to William Refrigerator Perry. I mean, this guy weighed 350 pounds or so, and, and it says to him, hey, when we close out uh, Refrigerator, I, I want you to close with the Lord's Prayer. And and with that, John Cassis kind of looked and said, I hope he knows the Lord's Prayer. And Jim kind of laughed too. And then as they watched as things went along, here's the refrigerator, his, his hands over his face, like sweating profusely. And, and they're realizing this guy may not know the Lord's Prayer. And Jim McMahon says, man, I, not only do I hope he doesn't know it, I tell you what, I, um, I'll bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know it. And, and John Cassis remarked, he says, here we are in the middle of this team devotion wondering, isn't it kind of interesting, we're betting on whether or not the fridge knows the Lord's Prayer. And, and as it closes out, finally Mick, uh, Mike Ditka turns to the fridge and said, okay, lead us, lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And with that, he still now sweating buckets, tells everybody to bow their, their heads, and, and, and he begins this prayer and nervously says, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, let these gifts to us be blessed Amen. And John Cassis is smiling. That's when he feels the elbow. And here's Jim McMahon handing over 50 bucks. He's like, I had no idea the guy would know the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Right? You know, sometimes I think hope is kind of like that, isn't it? 
Uh, it's, it's based in kind of a 50-50% chance. This is going to go our way. This is not going to go our way. Now, we've spent four weeks or so talking about hope, and go figure as we enter into this Advent season, the focus continues to be on hope as we start off walking together as God's people. And, and maybe you've prayed that prayer before. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed, or a derivative of it. And, and uh, kind of interesting, it's been around for a while. And just so we're clear on this, it's not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> um, this prayer came later, and um, perhaps uh, as, as early as the 1500s, but most people account it to the Moravian Church in the 1700s, though some Lutherans like to claim Martin Luther wrote it, and um, there isn't a lot of historical backup to that, but it certainly has been circulated in Moravian circles, Lutheran circles, and uh, German circles, uh, a well-known prayer, and, and often gathering with, with God's people and a family gathered around a table just before a meal. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guests and let these gifts to us be blessed. And yet, what a great prayer that goes beyond just a meal. As God's people come together as expectant, hope-filled people waiting on a Savior Jesus to come among us, to be our guest, truly, to come and be a Savior. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on that coming. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Bring us hope, as we'll focus on that today. Bring us peace next week. Bring us joy. And, and finally, in the final week, just before Christmas, to get, come and bring us love. Jesus is one who brings all of those, and it's, it's something we can count on in a huge way. You know, if you look at, at the days in which we live, are they hope-filled, in your opinion? I mean, if you look at what's going on around us on any given day, I mean, even just an, another terrorist stabbing in, in recent days in, in Europe, and, or whether it be school shootings, whether it be violence, and, and whether it be outbreaks of anger and, and social media rants, by unrest, and you might say it would seem to be a, a hopeless time in many ways. And different seasons in, in history have shown, you know, hope-filled and hopeless, and they kind of go back and forth. I mean, I, I'm not a, a huge history buff in, in terms of knowing it by heart, but I, I know enough about, you know, right after the War of 1812, those were known as, as, as days of great hopefulness among people. They, they had great anticipation for the future and excitement for the future and an incredible outlook. And, and yet, as you go through history, you say, well, what about now? What would these days be known for in, in future history? You know, in, in recent days, uh, last three years, the CDC, Center of Disease Control, has reported that life expectancy age in the United States for the third consecutive year has gone down. Um, that had not been the case for over 100 years. And, and yet over the last three years, life expectancy, the age of most people living has gone actually down. And the question is, well, is that because of cancer or some other disease? Well, it's actually because of this. Uh, the opioid, opioid crisis has affected it. They, they attributed to that, drug abuse. Alcoholism is on a rise. And the third one is suicide is on a rise. And all three of those combined, as they call those dis diseases of despair, have been on the rise. And they are affecting the death rate and life expectancy in the United States. Often we think of that as a sign of hopelessness, don't we? What do you hope for today? 
A lot of times when we're born, we, we have a hope, you know, that our parents are going to be there for us. We maybe can't articulate that. And as we grow older, we, you know, we, we hope to go to school. We go to school and we, we hope to make friends and, and, and hope to get good grades. And, and maybe we, we hope to be successful and popular and graduate from high school. I hope to get accepted into college and, and I, I hope to get good grades. I hope to graduate and I hope to get a good job and hope to meet somebody along the way and hopefully get married and, and, and hopefully buy a house and, and, and hopefully settle down, maybe have a family and hopefully one day retire early and hopefully retire somewhere warm and, 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 and hopefully be surrounded by grandkids and loving family and hopes, hopes, and hopes. And sometimes those hopes play out and sometimes those hopes don't. Or, or sometimes maybe the things we hope for, we receive and, and then we find out what we hoped for, it wasn't as great as we thought it would be. Hopelessness is something a lot of us know very well. And the question is, where do we find hope in this world? That's why we turn to Isaiah today. Isaiah gives a promise of hope. Now, I get it. The, the word hope doesn't show up there, but it's there. It's a hope of a people that were living at a very hopeless time. From political oppression and financial and economic oppression and and times of war and fear and doubts and questions of what tomorrow would bring. And in the middle of it, as the Assyrians were threatening and as God's people were fearing what that future would hold, God leads Isaiah to write and proclaim these words. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let me suggest to you that the likelihood of this happening in Isaiah's time would have seemed like a no-way, far-fetched idea. There's no way when times are hopeless for that kind of promise to be possible. Well, not to mention, Isaiah mentions here that, that the mountain of the Lord's temple, the Temple Mount, anybody ever been to Jerusalem? Yeah, me neither. I know we had one. Ruth, you've been there. Maybe someone else has. You know, the elevation of the Temple Mount from sea level is like 2,000 feet above sea level. Is that the highest mountain in the world? And yet Isaiah is saying that the Temple Mount is going to be the highest point in the world and, and that nations are going to stream to it? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, is there going to be this volcanic eruption that's suddenly going to make it higher than Mount Everest that is what, like 75,000 feet above sea level? I mean, how is this even possible? And clearly Isaiah is using a 
imagery here to, to teach us something about the importance of that? Or is he not talking about a building? Isaiah is saying that the, this highest point and that nations are going to stream to it, and that this is going to be the answer for their longing for hope. I mean, it is there that God is going to bring fulfillment of what they've been longing for. I mean, to, to picture nations coming together in peace and, 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 and certainty and security and wanting to know who God is and, and be taught to walk in his ways. Have you noticed how ungodly this world has become? And it's not just in this age, it's been that way. People, by nature, are opposed to what God is for. And yet Isaiah is pointing to a time where the nations are going to stream into the presence of Almighty God. And it's kind of a strange picture when you ponder the fact that they're going to go to this highest of mountains. In your experience, does water run downhill or uphill? And yet the nations are going to come and stream toward this hill. As Almighty God draws them to Himself. And maybe that's a hint at what God is really getting at. You know, as we fast forward in history and we think about how God came to fulfill His promise, Jesus comes, and there's that day that we read in the gospel, which He said, Hey, that's a strange reading for this time of year, and yet it's a fulfillment kind of text. Here's Jesus walking in, in on the, the donkey, on this the donkey, walking through the streets, and the people are streaming there from every nation, and then they're calling out, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Their nation, their, their hope for the future, it's all right there in this one. Could he be the one who God had promised would come? And they're expecting an earthly rule. They're expecting a, a change in politics. They're expecting, hey, this is time our day finally is here. And a sense of power and control. And yet Jesus surprises them. He even says these words. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the ruler of this world be, will be cast out. But he follows that up and he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. Hear those words? When I am lifted up, I will draw all people, implied there, all nations, to myself. John's gospel goes on to say that Jesus was referring to the way that he would die when he's lifted up on a cross. The same Jesus who said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Because the ultimate fulfillment of the temple and the presence of God dwelling with his people was found in Jesus. He's the one who is lifted up. That is the almighty God's temple that God draws all people to himself. And it's on a mountain, in a mountain that seems insignificant to history. And yet there it is, a mountain outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha where our Savior Jesus would lay down his life in fulfillment of what God had promised. And rather than God saying, okay, come to me, no, God comes to us to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring a place to point our, our minds and our hearts to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and, and the professor of our faith, the one who calls us by name and says, you are treasured in my sight. 
No matter how overwhelmed you are with hopelessness, find hope today in Jesus. It's not like a 50-50 bet, like I wonder how it's going to go. Is he going to fulfill his promise or not? No. It's a promise of Jesus. When God makes that promise, he can't go against it. He brings hope. And as Isaiah would go on, he says, what a beautiful picture this is. For God's people to be drawn to him, that they be led to walk in his ways and walk in his paths. That God's word goes out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He'll judge between the nations. He'll settle disputes for many peoples. They'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O descendants of Jacob, let us walk in that light of the Lord. You know, over Thanksgiving meal, I had a chance to talk to a soldier. Uh, we had invited some friends over, and, and he's in active duty in the army, and he, he served several times in Iraq and other places, and just hearing some of his war stories, you know, with the emotion of what that brings. And he said, you know, to be fighting against teenagers on the other side and, and realizing, you know, war is not a pretty thing. It's an ugly thing. And on the battle lines that are drawn, he said, what, what a terrible thing. And yet in this world, this broken world, what a necessary thing it is at the same time. And, and, and you know, you read this text and you say, but there's a day coming where wars will cease, where bloodshed is no longer necessary in the sinfulness of dispute and brokenness of reality. God brings hope that is fulfilled in a Savior who comes to bring that eternal peace and hope that only He can bring. And maybe you're long for, longing for that on a, a national level, a world level, but maybe that longing for hope is just on your individual life today, in your own mind, in your own heart, in your own soul that God would come and bring that hope to bear with your circumstances and your situations and your fears and your doubts and to know that it's not an aimless bet that we have on hope in Jesus. No, it's a sure thing today as we turn to him. Join me as God's people as we pray. Lord Jesus, we pray together. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen.